welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. Joining me today is Neka Okona, and she and I are what I lovingly lovingly call Twitter friends. And Twitter friends is a category of, of people that I um, interact with and I'm drawn to because I think it's a really unique friendship relationship. Like we don't actually know each other, but <laughs> we're really drawn to each other's content regardless. And um, I'm so happy to have her here. She is a writer um, whose work I admire and love very much. So welcome, Neka. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is dope. Uh, always down to talk to other women that I respect and admire. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. And I I wanted to point out the reason why um, I wanted you to have on this have you on this podcast so badly is that I hear and read a lot of content surrounding freelance life um, lately and always. And um, because you are a writer, I feel like I, I was drawn to you more, obviously, because we're just kind of in the same field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just really like your tweets. That's just <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's- People say that to me so much and I'm just like, oh shit, I hope I didn't, I didn't say anything. I don't say anything crazy to people like they follow me. And then like, I'm like, oh, they're going to unfollow me once I say this. Like, it's always just like a very contentious thing when people say that. (laughs) I'm a a for life follower. This is is a permanent follow for sure. So uh, first of all, Nika, why don't you give us a little bit of background as to how you became a freelance writer? So it definitely was not intentional at all. <laughs> um, I kind of fell into it. I started freelancing about seven years ago when I was still working full time as a reporter in the metro Atlanta um, area at a newspaper. Like it's the second largest newspaper in the state. Well, the metro area, not the state. Um, so there are there were things and topics that I wanted to write about that as a staffer, I just wasn't given the freedom to do. So I just started pitching little stories. I think I wrote for USA Today. They used to have like this really, um, this portal called USA Today College. And so like they were taking perspectives of people who were younger, who were recently in college at the time I was in grad school. So I was kind of just writing about that. Uh, And from there, about three years ago, I decided uh, after trying to find a job. So I was living in Washington, D.C. from 2014 to 2016, although I'm originally from Atlanta. And that entire two years was so rough. Like, I could not find a job. But if I, I finally got kind of got to the point where I realized that I didn't want full-time job. I wanted more flexibility. I wanted to really have the time and the space to write about the things I was actually interested in. So when I moved back to Atlanta in 2016, I decided, okay, here we go. Like, like, let's make this happen. So that's kind of how I started freelancing. Um, I chose travel and food just because those are the two things that I like the most. And that's pretty much it. I didn't realize you'd been doing this for seven years. That's incredible. And you're you're happy continuing on as a freelancer? Or do you ever think about going back um, in-house somewhere? <sighs> 
I get tempted a lot when I see listings, but then I realize just how long I've been like not working a full-time job because the last time I had a full-time job was six years ago. It'll be six years in July. And I tell people the longer you go without it, the harder it is to go back unless like, I feel like unless something outrageous happened, I'm not going to go back. <laughs> same, same. I feel exactly the same. I Like, I wonder what it would take to get me back in an a office. A lot of money. I just, like, I don't know that it's a like... lot of money. That's the only thing. Like so much. Yeah, exactly. So much. Um, yeah. So when, when you did decide to become freelance, um, how, if at all, did being single factor into that decision for you? Um, in general, I would say when it comes to like my work and career life, I've always been extremely single-minded and it's very important to me. So even if I was like in a relationship or dating someone, like I was always just really honest with them and telling them just how a lot of times my work is going to come first. I don't know if that's just like a writer thing, but like I, I, I just have always been very clear on having those boundaries in my life. And so with freelancing, not, I think not, being coupled or with a partner, it just really honestly just gave me a lot more freedom to really spend as much time as I needed to spend building full-time freelance. Because when you're building that foundation in the beginning, it it's exhausting. So um, being single, I think, makes it easier because you don't have to explain your way out of like the time considerations that it can take instead of it being... Or like anything right, else right. So that doesn't become an <laughs> argument because you're on deadline a lot, or you're trying to do this, or you're trying to do that, and you're always emailing. You know, you don't have to really answer yeah. to anyone about that kind of stuff. So I love that. I love having having to answer to no one on like multiple fronts. <laughs> like, yeah, I have authority issues in general. So like, it's just it's just a thing. Oh God. <laughs> The idea of like someone else telling me what to do now, I've only been doing freelance for a year, but like the idea of someone else telling me what to do, like in a boss capacity, just like I start to itch. There's just no, like, are you kidding? Like, that's just not how this works. Thinking about like the interviewing process for a job makes me itch. Like it requires like putting on so many airs that I'm just not interested in doing anymore. And don't you just wish it was like a more honest process overall interviewing? Like, I wish that it wasn't someone trying to present something to someone else and that person coming into it, like, convince me why I should hire you. Like, that dynamic for me just feels so, uh, like, worn out almost, yeah, it's, you know? It's it's really fake is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. So as a freelancer, do you think that there are any business practices or ways that you approach conducting business that you do specifically because you're single or is there anything you take into consideration um, that you might not, if you were partnered, like for example, I have a massive, you know, $500 plus expense every month that is called health insurance. And um, if I was a married person and my partner was also not a freelancer and, and worked a more, corporate or traditional job, um, I would likely be able to be on his insurance and that expense would just kind of go away. So that's really impacted like the amount of hustle that I have to have all the time because I have to factor in like a health insurance amount of hustle to be able to hit that as well. So I'm wondering like if there are any other um, parts of just living a single life that that factor into your business decisions um, as a freelancer. Um... 
I will say I spend a lot of money on food and I'm not sure that's healthy. <laughs> um, I do the same thing. I do exactly. There is no like snack closet that you can go to from your office. Like um, it's all. It's you. actually kind of embarrassing when I total how much money I spend on food per month. And then it's embarrassing because I talk same. to other people who are a partner and have kids and their budget is the same as mine. And I'm just like, something is not okay with me. <laughs> like <laughs> you have two kids and a husband and you're spending the same amount I spend per week on groceries. Like what, what is that about? I mean, Trader Joe's is my favorite errand to run. Cause I'm like, Oh, what recipe can I try tonight? Because there's like at least two hours of my day that right. are not spent commuting. So I get to spend that like right. kitchen experimenting. Right. Yeah. But I totally get that. Yeah. We, we spend money, we spend more money on food and we also, what you don't realize is how much right. money you spend on like paper goods, like tissues and toilet paper and stuff like that that used to be provided by an office all of a sudden is on me. And like Amazon must think I'm the weirdest person. Like, why does this bitch buy so many boxes of tissues? Like what's happening? What are her allergies? <laughs> get some clarity. That, that yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think it's interesting for me because not only do um, am I single in terms of like relationship status wise, I live alone. Um, so that I, I don't have any roommates. So it's a very different type of lifestyle and thinking of having to run a home by myself. Uh, it's a concept that is just like yeah. completely new to me. And there are a lot of little considerations that I wouldn't have had to think about before. And like you said, um, like last mm -hmm. fall, for instance, like the the heat stopped working, and I was just like, um, <laughs> "It's cold." Oh my god! <laughs> so our uh, days when like the I wake up <laughs> and the Wi-Fi stops working, and I'm just like, uh, "It's on me to kind of troubleshoot and figure out what is going on." Um, I don't know. I think maybe if mm -hmm. I weren't single, I could maybe outsource some of those like things that I have to troubleshoot on my own. Um, and it's an inconvenience and it affects, it can yeah. affect like my, my output, for instance, like, um, when you have things like with the Wi-Fi going down, like that's such a headache because the thing is, and whenever you call and tell them that your Wi-Fi is not working, they're so like lackadaisical about it. They're just like, oh, okay, we'll send somebody out in two days. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> oh my God. No, not only will you send someone out today, but you will comp me for the day because I'm not paying for internet on a day I didn't have it. This is like my favorite hobby is calling my cable company and making them give me free things because if it does not work, like you have just interrupted my entire business. I don't care that it consists of one person. It still matters to me. So I feel you on the constantly having to troubleshoot yeah. literally so everything by yourself. That, 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 Every that's not, time. I wouldn't say that really affects me like on a tangible level, but maybe just like an emotional label labor level where like I'm having to just do everything myself. In addition to managing everything within my career myself, it's just like life itself. And that like permeates through like not just work, but like every aspect of life, like everything down to like from furniture assembly to like, you know, spider relocation is just all on a single woman's shoulders. I think it's like that. I think it can do two things. It can really make you feel extremely independent and empowered. And on the other hand, it can get really exhausting after a while. Like I would like yeah. some backup yeah. every now and then. Maybe It, it just, can wear on you. Is there, is there any aspect of either just like single life in general or freelancing while single that that feels unseen to you that that sort of happens to to us as single women that that people are unable to see um, 
I think the concept of of mental health and self-care, I think. Um, and I know mm-hmm. self-care is like one of those buzzwords, um, but I have really had to learn um, how to take care of my myself in a different way uh, because I freelance and because I'm single and there's not like someone that's maybe supporting me in this way. I mean, I have friends and family, but it's just kind of different. Um, really uh-huh. and truly learning what it means to take care of myself and not just like really saying that, but just learning how, what I need in a way that I can fill myself up when I feel just kind of like at my end. Um, in different ways. What are some of those self-care methods that you use? Um, eating. Yeah. I know that's very, (laughs) I wrote a piece for the Washington Post earlier this year about how, um, so a really dear and close friend of mine died in a car accident two years ago and it was such a shock, but in, in navigating grief, I realized that like I had a lot of really disordered eating habits mm-hmm. and that I literally just did not eat enough in a given day. Like I would eat like one meal per day and oh. it's just not good. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I wasn't kind of in that situation because I'm living by myself. There's no one saying, hey, I noticed you're not eating a lot or, you know, there's no one around encouraging you to like, you should eat this. I just cooked this. You want some? I see yeah. you having, you know, it's, it's different. So um, I've had to put a lot of effort into making sure that I eat enough and actually meal prepping, which makes me feel like such, so fake because I have like chided people who meal prep and post it on Instagram, but I have to <laughs> meal prep. <laughs> I do the same thing. I do the same thing. There is so much like care delivered through food. And when you don't have anyone else in the house cooking, you're delivering all your own care through food. Right. And it is like, a little bit cringy, the whole like meal prep thing. But after you do meal prep, like you feel as though you've won an award of some kind, or it should at least get one for the kind of effort it takes to meal prep, especially when you eat all of your meals from home all day, every day. Like it's a lot, like it's a lot of effort. We don't, we don't think about that when we're like five days a week standing in line for $18 salad, you know? And honestly, I would say that aspect of it it does get exhausting for me sometimes. And I love cooking, but sometimes I do wish I had someone to kind of outsource that to other than Uber Eats and their ridiculous fees. Like, Oh, I won't. I will not participate in Uber Eats. Like I can't, it just, there's like 10 levels of Uber Eats that just irk me. You know what I mean? Like thinking about how much money I spent on one meal that could have gone to like meal prep. Yeah. You spent $35 on a taco and I'm just like, what was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) I was not thinking. I was just hungry. We're managing our our time and money very, very differently. I think as freelancers, at least I am than I ever did when I was working in an office. But, um, and also like, I think part of the self-care wrapped up in food is actually in cooking. If you enjoy cooking, it's something that like relaxes you and doesn't stress you out. Um, I find a lot of self-care in like Parisian jazz and chopping a bell pepper. That's just, that makes me happy. I love that. Except for mine is Bossa Nova. Ooh, not, we need to share Spotify lists <laughs> after, after this is over. I would love I'm to always do like, that. <laughs> I scream at Alexa and she just doesn't get me. Oh my God. I just said Alexa and she turned on. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> that is She's like, always listening. That is like peak millennial. Next topic that I want to cover is I so obviously like I love your work and I I really enjoy reading it and I really enjoy your social media content. And 
as someone that I admire, I would love to hear from you any kind of advice that you find yourself either giving to freelancers over and over again, or that you um, think to yourself over and over again, like, you know, it, it would be great if more freelancers knew this or did this, like, what sort of advice do you find yourself passing on most often? I think people are mostly just puzzled at how to start, which mm -hmm. would seem like very basic, but I, I think I've been doing this for so long. It's a lot, very instinctual for me, but okay. in thinking of starting and daunting is very daunting. Like, uh, but I, I think the main advice that I would give to people just trying to figure it out is really asking yourself, why do you want to freelance? And really getting clear on that because uh, you're going to need to have a pretty damn good reason to continue to do it. Like, um, yeah, when things get hard or when the work well runs dry, when you're having frustrating experiences with clients or editors or whatever, like uh, it needs to be a really good reason that you're continuing to do it because it's hard. Uh, for me, like we talked about earlier, I just don't have a desire to really work within traditional work or office settings anymore. And I need more flexibility and being able to follow like my curiosities and my writing. Um, working And there's value that you assign to that. Right. Like that right. becomes part of like, in a way, in a weird way, I think our freedom and our flexibility becomes part of our like salary in quotes. Yeah. It's like that, that, that has weight to it that... Um, that I, we can't find, or at least I couldn't find working in a, working in a more traditional setting, but that's for sure. I think getting started is so daunting and so terrifying, particularly when you're like sort of out there on your own with no safety net. Right. Um, right. I find it so scary. In fact, the advice I give most often to anyone who wants to become a freelancer is that you do need a safety net. But with us, like we just have to call it a savings account and right. put as much in there as possible and like right. form that, that um, just sort of like, you know, financial beanbag chair you can flop into if you have to every now and I then. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like when I first started full-time freelancing, it was just not really sustainable for me. Like it, that's not, uh -huh. another thing people probably just don't want to hear. It takes a little bit of time for you to build to a place where you're actually, it's sustaining you and that's not automatic. Right. And I think that's why a lot of times, sometimes people get turned off of it. Um, but that's where it comes in, like you said, like having savings or if you don't have that, getting a part-time job. I worked for Instacart like my first few years full-time freelancing. So And it allowed you to get to where you are now. Right, exactly. And also it was good for me because like I got out the house a couple days per week. Uh, I was interacting with other people. I love grocery shopping. Um, <laughs> and I actually wasn't good check-wise because like I would just be like thinking of what I wanted while I was shopping. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was good for me. And it kind of gave me a base. I had a steady, they paid me every week. So I had a steady check I knew was coming every week. And that helped me to continue to freelance and kind of figure out my groove. So um, yeah, you just have to kind of find things that work for you, whether it's savings, a part-time job that's related or not related. Um, and just kind of cobble together pieces to make it work until you get to a certain point where it is sustaining you on a regular basis. But it takes time, unfortunately. But that's such a good point to like to offer up that patience that you had. And, you know, that no one should expect this to be like a humming machine overnight. It does take some time to build up enough clients to find that your freelance business is sustaining you and that 
um, it can be really scary in the beginning. Those first few months are very scary because you feel like you're not earning enough or you should always be trying to earn more. And it feels a lot just like a, like a bit of a hamster wheel going around to get started. But I think um, to have the kind of patience to, to know that like smoother roads are coming um, as long as you put in the work and do what you need to do. Hey, like I always say like an overnight success equals a decade of hard work. So perspective. So now I would like to get into my favorite topic ever, and that is solo travel. And I love living vicariously through your tweets when you are traveling places because I have not been able to do that much travel lately. So I'm like, oh, I bet she's somewhere. Yes, she is. I'm going to follow along. (laughs) (laughs) Solo travel. I started solo traveling also seven years ago, the same amount of time that I started freelancing. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Very cool. Um, So my first solo travel, my first solo travel trip was actually my first international trip. I went to Madrid and I loved it so much. A year later, I moved there just because I'm that dramatic. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think for me, uh, solo travel really cemented learning who I was as a person. I don't think before then I I definitely was not it was not impressed upon me to really live my life for me and to actually do the things that I wanted to do without having anyone else to go along with me mm-hmm. because I mean that was part of the reason why I started solo traveling because I had this desire I had my passport in 2012 at that point for 3 years and you know uh my first trip out of the country was actually to Jamaica Oh, no. Spain wasn't my first. It was Jamaica. Jamaica, it was actually a mission trip because I used to be like super churchy, but I'm not anymore. So once I took that first trip to Jamaica, like I I felt like super restless. I had this desire to see so many other places, but like my friends were just not interested in the idea. Like they'd be excited. But then when it came down to like book the tickets and book the hotel, they'd be like, oh, I don't have the money or my boss is not going to let me off work or, you know, whatever excuses. So I just got so tired of just like waiting on people to experience the world around me. So I was just like, forget that. I'm just going to go and do this by myself. And I was terrified during that first trip to Spain, terrified. There's so much fear associated with solo travel for the first time. I, I was also like literally shaking scared the first time I traveled alone. And it was just like to Washington, D.C. from New York. Like I wasn't even crossing an ocean, but I had so much anxiety and so much fear. And so I like I like calling that out and saying like, yeah, it is scary. So it's OK to be scared. Like that'll come up and just like keep traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell people who are interested in solo traveling to um, take it slow and do small trips. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm in general, just a very dramatic person. So if I do something, I take gargantuan leaps. Just that's just my personality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, if you're, if you're, if you really want to solo travel, but you're like really fearful and scared of the idea and you just have a lot of anxiety around that, that's normal. That's fine. Just take a smaller step, like plan a, a, Plan an overnight trip at a nearby city first, and yeah. then kind of maybe a weekend trip in another city that's close by that you take a flight to. Like, you just incrementally just kind of work your way towards something bigger. Um, develop that mm-hmm. comfort and spending time alone. Because 
I found that a lot of women actually don't spend time alone. I mean, I didn't. I know, I, I don't know if this is just like a cultural thing, but, you know, I'm Southern and Southerners are very traditional in that sense that they really ascribe a ton of like worth to women who have, who are married, who have kids, who have the house, sort of these heteronormative like outliers of success in adulthood. And um, for a long time, I kind of struggled with that because being from the South, I'm not married and I don't have kids. And even now people just kind of, they're confused at the entity of me, but I don't, I don't care at this point. I'm just like, whatever, that's your problem. You're projecting. Exactly. Um, I'm not confused by the entity of you at all. (laughs) People are just like, wait, so you're going to be 33 and you're not married and you don't have kids. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not married and I definitely don't want kids. So there's that. And they're just like, oh. it's such an anomaly. Like, like, I'm, I'm Southern too. I'm from Texas. Oh, you are? Where? I'm from Fort Worth originally. I went to college in Austin and I fully understand that sort of Southern mentality. See? Yeah. I knew, I knew there was a reason I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the accent. So most people don't know that that's where I'm from. But if like my stepdad calls on the phone, the accent comes out in two seconds. Yeah. But same. I get it how like nobody knows what bucket to put you in. It's as if like if you achieve a certain age and you have not had kids or gotten married, it's akin to like you sprouted wings and like became this other species and they don't know what to do with you. They genuinely right. don't because you like bucked the system so much. But I like that. I like that you like came to the, like, I like that you didn't wait on other people to travel with you. You did it anyway. And I think that takes an immense amount of bravery, especially coming from the South where it's like every activity is a group activity. Right. Everyone thought I was Excuse my French. Everyone thought I was fucking crazy when I told them I was going to Madrid by myself. They were just like, what? They were like, do you know how far away that is? I'm like, I am aware. I looked it up on a map and I booked my ticket. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to fly on airplanes and go places by myself. (laughs) They were like, oh my gosh, you're going to get taken because that movie had recently come out. And I was just like, actually, I'm not. But I'll let you know once I get there and yeah, it'll be okay. We're going to be fine. I think my mom had just seen the movie Taken the first time I told her I was going to Europe. I didn't go alone my first time I went with friends, but she had literally like just come from the theater seeing that movie and she was petrified. I think she's still scared every time I leave the house by myself, but um, there is this this fear around a woman traveling alone that isn't necessarily assigned to people traveling in packs. But yeah, the worry that people assign when you when you go off someplace by yourself, like almost like we're not fully adults yet. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And I think honestly, for me, it, there's a racial aspect to too. You know, the legacy mm-hmm. of Jim Crow racism and how for Black people it literally was not safe for us to travel throughout the South not that long ago. So I definitely yeah. think that's an intersection to it too. But I think. I think there's kind of like something to kind of unraveling like generational like uh, wounds or trauma or something, because I think in me choosing to travel and just kind of step out there on my own, I've encouraged so many people like friends and family to do the same thing, other women. And that's amazing. Like my sisters have started traveling just because I did like they got passports and just 
like one of my sisters um, last summer, she traveled by herself for like a month and I was so proud of her. That's so cool. And she was like, I did it because you always do it. And I thought maybe I would have fun. She was like, moments of it were kind of scary, but over a while it was amazing. And now everyone's asking me for solo travel tips. And I was like, yay, I'm so happy and I'm proud of you. And yeah, I think that's kind of what it's about. Just kind of inspiring other people to just kind of stand in their power and to embolden themselves with courage that you know all of us have courage you just have to tap into it that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said on my podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my favorite thing in the world (laughs) thank you for that um what is your favorite place you've ever been by yourself i really love london i really love london um i have family there so i i don't know i may it kind of feels like a second home to me just because whenever i go i stay with my family and they're flat and um so it's like um nigerian side of the family so like i stay with them and we're eating nigerian food and i didn't grow up seeing them often so it's always just like really special and also london is just such a cool city that's actually my favorite piece of yours, the one that you wrote about I have I have it right here because I want to link to it. Searching for my forever home and finding it in Nigerian stew. That is such a beautiful piece. I'm going to link to it though so everyone. So I want everyone listening to this to read it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um thank you. It's a really really cool read as well. Um what do you uh, what do you have planned next? You know, I don't know. Um, I currently don't have a passport at the moment because I sent it off to be renewed last week. So that's been kind of like anxiety ridden just because. <laughs> like, how long does that take? <laughs> like, well, I, <laughs> I expedited it and paid like a, a, a lot of extra money to do that. But they sent me an email. Um, I got an email last night of an update and they were just like, oh, you wrote the wrong amount on your check. You need to resend another amount. Like, oh, Why are we God. using paper checks in the year of our Beyonce 2019? <laughs> Why is this happening? I don't get it. Why can't we just pay online? I don't get it. it it's It's just painful. It's so painful. The next time, have you ever done global entry? I haven't, but I would love to. I'm planning on doing it. Highly recommend for anyone who travels abroad. When I went to go get my global entry, I you have to give them your passport, obviously. And when they handed it back to me in like a matter of maybe three minutes, by the way, not only like did it have like it was a new one, but it was the same picture as before, like the same cover as before, but a completely new passport. And it was also like re-upped, like it, it, the expiration date was gone and completely different. And it was like a brand new, you're good to go for so much longer now. It was like a magic trick. What? Yeah. So I don't know how that happened. I don't, maybe somebody can like, you know, email me after this podcast and tell me how global entry performed magic on my passport. I have no idea, but like the next time it's going to expire, maybe get global entry and, and watch that happen. Cause now I have like <laughs> several more years to go. Um, <laughs> when I first got my passport in 2009, they misspelled my name. So there's always, Oh, oh yeah. God. like how do you I was just, fix that? I, it was so crazy because I got it back and I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, my name is misspelled. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the, what the hell? Like, I'm going out of the country in two weeks. And oh. so I called them and they were like, oh, we actually don't manually put in the names. The computer picks it up. I was like, so you guys don't double check against what the computer put in? Are you kidding me? 
And they were just like, oh, will you will you can send it back and we'll fix it. I was like, are you going to reimburse me for the fact that I'm having to overnight this to you? And they're like, we'll take it into consideration. Um, I don't, I don't know where to start with how upset that sentence made me. I, <laughs> so it's always something. I just, uh, yeah. Hopefully I'll get back soon. Um, one of my favorite things about solo travel is packing for it. I'm a little bit of, um, I don't call it like an obsessive planner or an obsessive packer. I just consider it like really fun mm-hmm. to make packing lists, <laughs> like to pack my bag. Um, are there any like gadgets or essentials for solo travel that you have amassed over the years that you like telling people oh my god so packing cubes changed my life i bought them for the first time like a year ago and i just could not believe how much it revolutionized my travel my packing are you like also more organized when you get to your destination because of the cubes or do you completely unpack them and like put your stuff in drawers and things no um, so I separate the cubes into like different things. So I have one that I put shirts in. I have one that I put pants and skirts in one that I put like bigger, bulkier dress items in. And then one that I put like, um, a little zip bag, I put socks in and then one that I yep. put like PJs and like sleep clothes and stuff in. So I know what's in each cube and that helps me. Um, it's so organized. Yeah. Uh, also I have a bit of an issue with like skincare stuff so that's a problem for me Ah, (laughs) it's it's the sephora sale right now you know this like as we're recording the sephora sale is happening and i'm like well i can't miss it like i don't need anything but it's just stupid to not get 15 percent off of shit i know i'm gonna buy in a month anyway like let's just do this right so i have um, this little like cube it's like a zippered little cube and it has Eye drops, an eye mask, a little cloth for like cleaning my glasses, a little, little um, plastic little bag of mouthwash in case I should ever need that, hand sanitizer, and a little um, mini zipper pouch of like essential oils. So I'm very like in- intense Ooh. with like everything that I pack with comes to that. Like that's just like our personal comfort just because, oh, and also antibacterial wipes because I do not touch anything on planes without wiping it down. Like, and people look at me like I'm crazy. I knew we were going to be friends. People look at me like I'm crazy and they're just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't want to get sick. Y'all have germs. <laughs> you are not crazy. We are now best friends. I wipe down the entire seat, the armrests, all of the buttons, the screen that you have to touch to watch movies. Right. Everything gets wiped the hell down before I will participate in it because it's so gross. They don't clean planes. Like they literally do not disinfect <laughs> them. Like that is alarming. Like what it's so, like we're just riding in like a gigantic like germ tube essentially when you think about it. I can't think about it too hard or else I won't fly but like it's really really gross so uh don't feel weird that you carry disinfecting wipes because I think it's just like it's it's no different than like carrying a book to read or like your passport essentially like they're essential let's, let's be real they're you essential. would be surprised at people who get on a plane namely men with nothing like literally how do they I've seen men do this like they literally get on the plane with like their phone and like a bottle of water and I'm just like <laughs> who are you who are you do you do you follow passenger shaming uh, no I don't passenger shaming like huge like uh 
gross warning, but passenger shaming is an Instagram account that posts pictures of passengers doing like horrifying things like taking off their shoes and walking around the plane in bare feet is mild compared to what some people have been caught doing on airplanes. But if you, yeah, like if you, if you like observe a certain level of flight decorum, which I think you and I both do, um, you will find it really funny and really horrifying. Um, The passenger shaming is hysterical, but yeah, like the guys that walk on with like literally just nothing, like their wallets in their back pocket and they just like sit down and fly. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And it's so annoying because there are so men who do that they're single or whatever, but there are a lot of men who do that flying with like their girlfriends or their wives or their partner or whatever. And they just like rely on the other person for everything. And I'm just like, you could have packed just like they did. Like, I don't, this is just weird. I mean, that might be like, like future partner criteria of mine. If you are a guy that gets on a plane with nothing, I don't think we're going to work out. gotta have you have to like screen them and ask them so how do you fly oh my god like a book a laptop i mean come on a snack like you don't get hungry i can't i can't um aneka thank you so so much for chatting with me about all of our favorite things essentially so fun Um, good i'm glad it was a pleasure to have you and um i think if you are considering being freelance or considering going on a trip alone um this is a very like expansive conversation for you to listen to because um they're wonderful things we both love doing them and writing about them and tweeting about them um and you should give them a try so thank you so much thank you again a huge thank you to my guest, Neka Okona, for joining me. You can check out a link to her writing on Contently in the show notes below and also her social media if you want to give her a follow on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And before you hit stop and move on to another podcast, which should probably be one part podcast by Jess Mernan, by the way, um, if you could leave a rating and a review for this podcast, I would really appreciate it. It's a huge deal in the podcasting world. And um, I'd really like to keep making this thing. So help me out. Um, also, if you're looking for more community around being single, and I'm getting the feedback that a lot of us are please join the Facebook group, A Single Serving Podcast. There are quite a few of us in there um, talking about a lot of stuff. So please join us. We would love to have you. Um, Everyone's welcome. And um, thank you guys again. Now you can hit stop and listen to another podcast. Thanks, guys.